Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Go on. Hey, brother. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Oh, look at us. So we're responding to some questions that I have received organically in the world about um, what we missed about being a regular old employee at a traditional employer this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess we're we're somewhat guilty of talking about the the many virtues of freelancing often. Uh, and we probably have not done a good job of communicating uh, that there are some things that we miss about um, our, our old lives. Uh, so uh, now's a good time to talk about them. Office supplies. Office sticky notes. <laughs> All the highlighters and all the colors, and they were just there, you know, like we had these workrooms at law firms that just have all the tabs and all of the three ring binders and and then people whose jobs are to just like assemble them for you. And and I know that that sounds insane, but it's kind of cool if you're like, oh, reading this long document on, on the computer is bumming me out. Then you can be like three seconds away from having somebody print it out and bind it for you like a book <laughs> to just <laughs> leisurely read um, and flip through and paginate and all of that business. That was pretty nifty. Yeah. Yeah. You've worked at nicer places than me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, or maybe they were just uh, knew what they needed to, to offer to really wring every last drop of the <laughs> hour out of us. Uh-huh. But I did. I mean, I never took it for granted. I always, I was, I wasn't there, frankly, long enough. I mean, at five or six years, I wasn't, I still was, you know, and putting the the snacks from the workroom in my purse. <laughs> but that's probably more about me than it is about. I um a friend of mine who owns a business uh, was telling a story about one time his desk was near the door or his office, and so there's you know a window he could kind of see people uh, walking in and out of the front door. And somebody went uh, trotting out with a pack of toilet paper that they had taken <laughs> from, from the company bathroom. And he was like, whoa, what is happening? Like those are those big industrial rolls, too. Yeah. They're like the size of a record. <laughs> Classic one-ply situation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know. That was, that was honestly, that tra- uh, translates or segues perfectly into my least favorite, which is the one black toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the horrible bathrooms. I, I think this is kind of a hard thing to talk about because we both have chosen the path that we've chosen. And with that, there's, you know, the assumption that the, the pros outweigh the cons. Um, but that there are cons. And so, uh, we don't want this to be like a humble brag episode, but, uh, for someone kind of assessing that, um, jump, uh, taking that jump into freelancer hood, um, you know, what, what are some of the things that, that you do miss about, um, your traditional gig? Yeah, I think it's, and some of the things that maybe didn't matter as much to me and you, if we talk about them, the listener might think that's essential to me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, that I can't do without that. Uh, I had the beauty of going from a smaller firm to a regional firm. Um, the smaller firm I was at had uh, like sub 40 attorneys in it. And then my practice group was acquired by a regional firm that had two or 300 attorneys in it. And then I went to a 12 to 1300 attorney firm that was multinational. So 
I've really like run the gamut, but they were all in downtown Denver and they all had amazing, uh, had a beautiful office in every single one of them with a really beautiful view of, you know, the, the cityscape and the mountains behind it and, you know, this, the trains coming through downtown and it was really nice. It was great because I spent, you know, 12 hours a day there. And so <laughs> it was really nice to be like, it looks cold. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's mm, cold hello outside. outdoors. <laughs> so the trade-off, of course, and it was not something that I, you know I don't value that more than currently my view is of an of a brick wall in an alley. But <laughs> um, you know, it, so I guess I missed the view. Yeah. What What do you miss? Uh, well, the last couple offices offices I worked in were pretty crappy. Um, so I I do not have that problem uh, working for different startup companies. It was, um, you know, kind of a mess. I, I was thinking about this before we recorded. And one of the things I kind of missed is the last, uh, I guess, six years of my job. I was in, in a leadership role and uh, with the companies I was at. And that was a really comfortable role for me. I am very, I'm this weird combination of naive and uh, probably a little bit um, narcissistic and, um, and, and no narcissist has ever said that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I don't know. There's like the different, um, I'm certainly not perfect, but my flaws kind of combine to a situation where I'm very comfortable leading. And I, this has been the case since college. Like uh, I can point to several weird things where I rallied a group of people together to do, you know, uh, interesting and fun things. And I, I miss that about uh, traditional employment. Like uh, I've gotten to the place where I was, you know, hiring junior folks and training them and doing kind of that whole thing. And that was uh, getting to watch people develop their skill set, learn how to do uh, this thing that we do um, is, uh, was a lot of fun. It was, it was like rewarding, more rewarding than client work often. And, uh, you kind of got that, you know, more long-term relationship kind of thing going on in the office. And, uh, I do kind of miss that. I kind of miss, uh, leading people and, uh, from holding people accountable to just getting to participate in their personal development. Um, it was all a lot of fun. That makes a lot of sense. Actually, this is very timely because Right now we're, uh, you know, I've been working in this looser affiliation of attorneys because I'm too extroverted for uh, being completely solo. Um, And uh, right now I'm in this transition where we're kind of formalizing more um, because of this, some of the stuff that that I miss, frankly, (laughs) Um, you know, and that is having bigger clients. Mm -hmm. I miss having uh, more sophisticated clients and more sophisticated issues. And um, not that I don't have uh, those now. It's just I have a lot that aren't. And I feel like I can see the ceiling. I haven't necessarily reached it, but I can see the ceiling on the sophistication that I can do without having the paralegal associate uh, pyramid under me. And um, so I want to proactively kind of find a way to not violate my ethical belief that you shouldn't, you know, make a living off of the the backs of other people necessarily. Um, uh, with also finding a way to have a structure that can accommodate, um, bigger deals, bigger clients, uh, more regularly and have backup and 
all this kind of thing. So I've, I've been thinking a lot, what do I miss about the three different firms that I experience and those sizes. And so for context, now there's five to six of us basically. So it's very small comparatively. So there's very few things that I want to take from those experiences. I certainly, every time I walked into one of those workrooms with the highlighters and the person whose entire job it was actually there was always two people who just worked in the copy room and they just did, you know, print jobs and stuff. Um, and I don't miss that because that always just blew my mind about how wasteful it was resource wise. <laughs> you know, you walk in and you're like, I'm sorry that this is your profession. Not I mean, this is a fine and noble profession, but I'd be nervous. If it were my profession, um, it's like when the one person is uh, working a checkout line and there's like, you know, 30 self-checkout registers. And you're like, are you nervous, bro? <laughs> like, what's your plan? Um, that vibe. But, you know, lawyers are paper based and they're old school and they like all that stuff. It makes them feel comfortable. I don't. Um, and I don't want to replicate that. But there are some things I do want to replicate. And it's the stuff that matters to clients enough that they're, it makes them put faith in you for the more sophisticated matters. And, and some things that, that I think matter to clients are having a more robust team with more tertiary people like uh, associates and paralegals below you to uh, manage, you know, the smaller tasks with a smaller billable hour. And then also I miss being able to pass stuff off because I was always an associate. I, a partner now, but I was an associate at the <laughs> at the other firms, and so I didn't have that many people below me that I could, you know, kick something off to. <laughs> but I did have the ability to say, like, okay, I've reviewed all of these and put together this synopsis. Paralegal, here are 300 pages of documents. Could you please put them in a logical order with a table of contents? I need it by next week. And then by the time they, you know, they were doing that in the background while I was doing other things. And then by the time I was turning around to it, it was done. And that was really cool. I guess that's just not mind blowing to anyone who's listening to this. But after a couple of years of not having it, it's real magic. So I look forward to having a little bit more of the supportive professionals to help with things. Yeah. I mean, that's such a big piece in your industry. Like, uh, big firms almost feel like from the outside kind of almost seem like a pyramid kind of scheme, yeah. you know, like who you're talking to is not doing the work and everything gets passed around, uh, below the surface of the water, so to speak. Totally happens that way. And I don't, I don't like that. And I think most of my clients care that it's me who always is responding to them, that they don't come in through me. And then, you know, they're, they're dealing with somebody totally different who doesn't even know the details of their initial, very long, several hour conversation about the matter. And I think most people like that, but at the same time, I feel like that's a, that's a, a hurdle between uh, where I have been and where I need to be in order for the bigger clients at bigger companies to feel comfortable just because that's what they know. Yeah, that's almost what they've grown to expect, probably. Yeah. So that, what, now your turn. Name a thing. <laughs> this is going to sound kind of dumb, but um, there was something about being on a team uh, where you were part of something a little bit greater than yourself. Um, the, the best way I can think to kind of uh, explain it is like being on a sports team, you know, where you're uh, operating as a, as a unit and, 
there is this notion of of an outcome that's greater than you know one individual yeah that was cool about being on a team like being in a, a in a workplace where you had uh coworkers and stuff um you, you know there's that old adage um you can go faster alone but you can go further together um mm. kind of notion that makes that really interesting uh my my personal thoughts on that is that a team too big starts to become uh this slow moving barge <laughs> that yeah. is hard to turn and <laughs> Um, Barges like, can go forever. <laughs> yeah, um, but a, everyone on board is dead. So. <laughs> there's there's a piece of it where there's certainly like a another side that you, you can go too far in one direction and then it's not uh, cool anymore. But um, you know, small teams uh, doing cool stuff that that part's fun because you get different skill sets. You know, you get people that uh, really enjoy doing the stuff that you hate and vice versa, and that helps. It helps you have a stronger team. And um, that part is missed occasionally, you know, in particular. And I guess this kind of relates to what you're saying about um, having a supportive role. Um, it, it's just kind of nice when everyone gets to play to their strengths and uh, you get to focus, you know, you don't find yourself doing stuff that you just hate, you know, because you're the only person to do it. Yeah. And that, and that doesn't mean it's like me, uh, menial task kind of stuff. I mean, it can be like cool stuff that you just hate doing <laughs> that. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. you know, it's nice to have someone that really enjoys that kind of thing. Yeah. And if somebody's really, really good at, I mean, that's good and bad because if you have somebody who's amazing at tax law and you have some issue that might have tax implications, you're just going to kick it to them instead of actually researching and then knowing. <laughs> so both sides are good, but I've been on, on the outside long enough to kind of miss having all those people to learn from. So kind of opposite of your, you know, being a good manager. I wasn't really in the position where I was training anyone until even recently when we had a, we had an intern this summer and I worked with him a little bit and I've worked with other people in a similar capacity since I've been out on my own. But like, I, um, I miss having the opportunity to learn for people. I still seek that out really hard, uh, in the different organizations that I'm in and I partner with people and just really bend over backwards to find everything I can, uh, that they do to learn from. But it was so easy when you were in a firm because you just, you just made something and then before it could go anywhere, somebody else had to review it. And then you saw the changes. And so every single time you made anything, you got immediate feedback. And eventually you got to a place where the feedback was just completely not important stuff that was changed, um, either nothing at all or just completely stylistic or something. And then you knew you were you were good. But um, I miss that having that, you know, feedback all the time, especially for people where, you know, when you come out of school, you're getting grades all the time. So you can kind of know where you are in, in the spectrum of things and. I guess I miss that about having like reviews where people compliment you and raises and stuff, all the edifying stuff. You you don't get that in the same way. Yeah. No, uh, as you're describing that and uh, very similarly, I, I miss having people to talk about work too, <laughs> you know, like uh, my wife hears way too many stories about things that are way too nerdy that she doesn't really understand. And it's just, uh, I don't, you know, uh, if I have a client do some particular thing that, uh, I find interesting or, uh, there's some little nuance that's happening. And one of the tools we use, you know, there used to be a whole group of people that cared to hear that. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, and I often feel like, um, so uh, I have, I have a, a theory that, uh, hearing there's nothing worse than hearing someone else describe their dream because it's like, it's so real to them, but like, it's so stupid and it makes no sense to you. And you weren't there like an actual dream. Yeah. Like, like an actual okay. physical what night dream, you know, like okay. you wake up and someone's like, Oh, let me tell you about this insane dream I had. And you're like, uh, like to me, that's like one of the worst stories to hear because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't seem real to me, whatever. Yeah, and that's what I feel like I do uh, to my oh, wife sometimes yeah. is I'm like telling her this like, you know, nerd fantasy dream thing that's happened. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. None of it makes sense. Um, and so uh, anyways, it's uh, it's nice. I've, I've developed a few uh, industry peers that aren't competitors that I can I can sometimes text some of that kind of stuff to or um, in a Slack group with a few of them. But it's it's still not quite the same. Yeah, it is different. I miss that. I mean, I missed that so much that I, I kind of joined other people. Um, so uh, <laughs> that just the collegiality and yeah, the team thing is huge, but it's it's not something that you can't find on the outside. And it also, you know, the, the other side of it was kind of like a backbiting competitiveness amongst, I mean, of course, I'm talking about basically like a suits situation. The TV show is a lot of where I was at, where people were really uh, diabolical towards each other sometimes and stuff. And you never had, you, I don't have to worry about that ever. <laughs> and and the same for like reviews and stuff too, right? Like all the yeah. great feedback, but then you had, um, you know, everyone always thinks of the scenario where you have the, the lazy manager that just gives you the, like, a uh, worthless review that impacts your future and your income and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the flip side to that is, uh, you know, this it's the thing, like it's, it's, it seems like from my own experience, it's been increasingly hard to find good, good managers, like good leadership in companies. Uh, and, uh, I've come across some, I've been fortunate to do that, but, um, you know, longer the days of, of, you know, going to work somewhere and learning from your, uh, for, for decades, learning from your, uh, whoever you report to and, and learning from them and, and being crafted by them, you know, it's, uh, everything's so much more fluid now. And, yeah. You know, you end up with a lot of folks whose priorities are elsewhere and you don't have that same sense of same sense of relationship that, that, uh, seemed to have existed like, you know, a generation or two ago. Yeah. I read some article once about how that, uh, basically has turned, uh, apprenticeship on its head technology has because it used to be that the the more uh, experienced person just knew more about truly everything involved in the uh, task than the less the then than the apprentice but now the younger people always know more about technology and all aspects of it than the people who are supposed to be teaching them other things so there's this weird trade and it's it makes it more confusing um, and the dynamics are a little bit more even and uneven at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You don't feel like you have the barriers to, to make that bold step out on your own because you know how the pieces work, but maybe you're lacking the, the experience that only comes from years of work. You know what I mean? Like right. those, those like once every couple of years situations that you just have to put the time in to understand. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, I don't know. I, so there's that. I, I missed also just even though it was totally a part of the overhead that made a difference whether I was profitable or not, and then ultimately went into whether I got a higher salary or not. Still, there were things that I technically didn't pay for <laughs> that um, that I missed, you know, just all the education, all of the bar uh, licensure, all of the software subscriptions. Um, and you could pretty much just always say, hey, I need to get a table at this fundraiser. I need to get a thing at this. And um, it would be taken care of by the firm, which is a problem because the firm overhead is insane. If it says, my first, get this, I don't know if you know this, Rob, my first ever law firm that hired me when I was 23 or 24 or whatever, like day one, they were like, here's your firm credit card. <laughs> like I just had a credit card that just went on the firm account and you just could use it. <laughs> and then, you know, theoretically you were supposed to give like, you know, explanation but it wasn't even reimbursement because it was a firm credit card oh yeah so it's just as good as spent yeah that's it was wild and they also had a rule which was probably good that you could take in uh, a taxi anywhere in the city anytime and they would pay for it um just so long as they were trying to keep people from getting duis lawyers (laughs) (laughs) this is before uber and lyft you have mentioned that all of your networking events all involve open bars. So yeah, <laughs> smart. It was smart, but they did they did this thing where for that for just any taxi to be covered, you had to submit a particular form. So nobody would do it because it's like you know officially uh, memorializing that you were you were really wasted <laughs> at this fundraiser. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, that's but it's just crazy stuff. I mean, it, it was okay to use it for like business development, which is just taking people to lunch and stuff. But you know, now we have write offs, and those are money in our pocket. Yeah, you, those are easy to get approved often. <laughs> uh, anything else you miss about about your old gig? I have a collection of coffee mugs from every firm I was ever at. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm still waiting on my coffee mug. It's just like, just me uh-huh. <laughs> to add to the collection. So I miss that. And then also scotch glasses from the last two firms, which was kind of cool. Okay. But I mean. Do you also have a collection of those spoons that you get like at each state that you go to? <laughs> I do not. I okay. do not. Yeah. But I'd love to start one. So if you could get me one from Tennessee, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Vista Prince or someone will will do custom collectible yeah. spoons. I, I mean, to be fair, everything that I've said, I, I mean, most everything I've said, I'm like a solid $160 away from satisfying all of those things. <laughs> I just need a trip to Office Depot and like, I don't know, with a promo code, probably $50 spent at personalizationmall.com or whatever. <laughs> there you go. You, for $160, your dreams too could come true. <laughs> anything else that you're you're really missing? I don't think so. And, you know, I think um, part of this, I'm guessing, is a little unfair of us because we've each been uh, on our own for about two years. And I think some more of this will come with time. You know, um, I, it, there are seasons uh, where I feel a little less connected to the community of, of the downtown uh, in the city that I live and yeah. and like kind of the things that are happening there that I just I don't um, get to or have to, depending on the thing. Uh, experience and uh most of the time it's okay because it's just it's less noise you know it's it's less things to occupy my mind but uh, occasionally there's like 
you know, an event that I'd love to attend that I miss out on, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, I, I think more of that will come in time. I think, I think I would somewhat anticipate a time in which, you know, I look back, you know, um, five years or 10 years or however long, uh, I get to get to do this thing. And, and I see some other like more macro things that I, that I miss a little bit, but, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of things each and every day that I'm super thankful for in my current arrangement that seem to, at least for the time being, uh, tilt the scales in that direction. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I felt kind of left out from downtown, which until I got my office there. And, and now it's, you know, it meets all, all of the requirements. I kind of, I mean, this is really silly. And most of the time I don't miss it, but sometimes I miss uh, dressing up mm. uh, like because I've really dressed up, you know, like really, 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 really dressed up uh, every day back then. And I don't do that now. I just kind of do that when I have meetings, just little, little things like that. So I, I don't miss it. And then it's been what, two, two years and change. And so now it's been long enough that I forget that it's very irritating and I kind of miss it. <laughs> yeah. It sure is nice not having to buy dress up clothes though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I still do because of what I do, right? So, okay. like, I still have to meet with people, and um, and then nobody, <laughs> people don't want their lawyer to be a better call Saul situation, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> an ill-fitting, like quadruple breast suit. You know, <laughs> that's that's not a that's not a look. They're like disheveled. Um, and more and more, I'm finding that people actually like their lawyers to seem like different than them, even in the startup space. So interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of market research on the DL about what people are preferring. Actually, they did legit uh, market research for doctors. Uh, my husband, Walker, was telling me and they because they, they have money for this, I guess they decided uh, like a whole tons of patients were polled on what they prefer their doctors to be wearing. Is it scrubs? Is it like a, a jack, you know, like a tie and a nice shirt? Is, is it, you know, a, a shirt and a tie and a white coat is a white coat and scrubs. And um, the takeaway was they prefer the white doctor coat and they don't care about the rest. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I wish I would do that for my profession. They yeah. eliminate a lot of the guesswork. So you just get straight to the point. Is it jeggings? Is it jeggings? <laughs> Tell me it's jeggings. Um, yeah, I've gotten um, to where I, when I worked at the accounting firm, I had to step up my my wardrobe a good bit, um, yeah. just uh, to seem a little bit more professional than the the ping pong table startup <laughs> uh, environment I came from. And, uh, and then that lasted not very long, um, approximately one year. And then now I've hit like another guardrail. I mean, like, um, where I can oftentimes wear the same clothes, like multiple times, yeah, <laughs> like in a row. And it's just like, uh, you know, change the undershirt and just keep going. <laughs> and, uh, and that, that part's really nice. Occasionally I'll, I'll be, uh, getting my keys and getting ready to walk out the door and realize that you know, one member of someone I'm going to lunch with perhaps could have seen me wearing the same thing. Yeah. You know, when I ran into them at the grocery store two days prior, you know. That is a quintessential, I think, freelancer issue is you're like, well, I have the nice, I mean, for me, I'm like, oh, I have the nice dress. Um, I wore it three days in a row because it was different groups of people uh -huh. and I only wore it for an hour each time. So yeah. we're cool. 
I know the outfit. I have it picked up. I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> and then you run into the same person and it's um, a little embarrassing. But yeah, that must be the most freelancer thing ever. When you're working 12 hours a day in that, you can't wear it again the next day because it's it's destroyed. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I've got like one of those dry cleaning bags with my like card in it, you know, that you drop off. And like, yeah. it's been months since I've had yeah. to take that thing, you know? Like, Absolutely. You can wear it in the dryer, freshen it up and you're good to go. <laughs> Someday I'll open it and remember all the shirts that I've forgotten I had. You know? um, yeah, that is very true. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Um, could you tell the fine listeners at home uh, where they can find show notes for this episode? Oh, I think if you go to askjeeves.com and you ask Alta Vista, Alta Vista you encarta it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good reference. Like, yeah, that was really niche and old. Um, then you go to unfederated.studio slash 17. Yes. For this particular show notes. That's right. That's old enough to be tried as adult. <laughs> that is so true. Old enough to be emancipated, old enough to be tried as an adult, old enough also to get a regrettable tattoo in Paris, depending on who you were talking about. <laughs> what? <laughs> um awesome great talking to you i hope you have a wonderful week rob yeah you too good chatting all right see you later